0: Penn State Conversations is a podcast produced by the Donald P. Belisario College of Communications. Episode topics range from the people, programs, and events that shape the Belisario College to discussing key aspects of life in the professional world for young and upcoming communications alumni. Please enjoy this episode of Penn State Conversations. In this episode, Director of Strategic Communications, Steve Samsel. Talks with alumnus Chima Akoli. What are you doing now? You've been back at Penn State since February, is that correct? Yes. And what's your role and what are you doing?
1: Um, so I'm Associate Director of Admissions at Penn State Law, and I also head up diversity and inclusion programs. Um, I'm just happy to be back. It's been a interesting couple of months seeing how State College has changed and how the university has changed, but uh, I'm enjoying it so far.
0: How many people does a law school admit in a cycle, and where, where are we at this time of year in that cycle?
1: So... The average, I would say around 135 to 140 people, um, and right now we're pretty much at the end of our recruiting cycle, so we almost have the class fill, filled up, um, but we can, we're can, we still looking to add a few more uh, candidates, maybe give people opportunities off the wait list and really try and open up those last couple of seats, but our class is almost all all the way full.
0: Where did you come into the process at? When you came in in February, those folks had already been offered admission and were waiting, or how? where did you fall in that process, and what have you learned about it?
1: So- a lot of them were recruited before I even got here. So, I think that approach is, you know, don't don't approach it pretending like you know who they are or what their interests are. Just say, "Hey, listen, I'm a resource. I don't I wasn't here when you were getting recruited. I wasn't here when you were making those decisions. But I'll say about 30 to 40% of them are new applicants and they are new to the process and that was kind of refreshing because not only am I new to the school but they all this is also their first time applying so I was kind of able to go through their journey with them and and that to me was special because it was this is my first time recruiting for Penn State Law School and obviously I really love the school I care about it and to me that was just a a way to kind of re, re-immerse myself and get familiar once again.
0: What did you have to learn to be good at what you're doing?
1: Uh, well that's the, the thing about um recruiting in general, is there's a lot of options. I, you have to learn that quickly. Um, you know, if someone tells you uh, about some Ivy League school that is quote-unquote ranked higher, you know, you have to... You have to, get, you have to show people the value of Penn State law prior to them stepping foot on campus. Maybe 20, 30% of people that I know, they've heard of Penn State, but they have no idea where State College is. They couldn't find it. You get what I mean? So you have to kind of give someone a glimpse into three years down the road um, showing them what Penn State ca- can do for graduates, what it has done for graduates, and you really have to show the value of something without someone ever getting a chance to kick the tires themselves. Which and and, and I learned that because excellent students get scholarships from several universities, prestigious universities. Why yours? Which parallels to athletic recruiting. It's kind of similar. Um, so that I I learned that that the two are, are, are way more similar um, than, than I had previously thought.
0: What's it like being on the other side of the recruiting process then? You've been through the athletic right, recruiting right, process. Right, right. What's it like being on the other side?
1: <laughs> it's interesting. It's interesting because I, I never want to sound like a recruiter, right? I was, um, there was uh, the Lash Bash on Saturday with uh, Coach Franklin and, and the guys, and just talking to some of the recruits, and I, I, I am by no means a, a recruiter, but I'll, I'll come around and I, and I try, I try and help out when I can, um, when I'm invited. But the number one thing that the guys will tell you is, you know what? No one likes feeling like they're getting recruited. You know what I mean? No one likes the, no one likes the feeling that everything that this person is saying to me is a means to an end. People don't like feeling like they're part of a transaction. Um, so that is. That's something that I definitely had to, I had to learn because just because you love the place and just because you know you can extol its virtues uh, night and day, those are, they're meaningless for your average person who isn't intimately familiar or even familiar at all. So I think more of an honest conversation about things is the way to go about it. And I've learned that the more frank you are with people, the more they're going to appreciate it. They might, not choose, they might not choose to come, and, and that's fine. But the more cut and dry you can be with people, and the the simpler you can break things down into being. I think in the legal term, uh, in the legal field, there's so many terms that your average, they're designed to prevent the lay person from understanding. So the simpler, anyone who's dealt with lawyers has probably read something they wrote and like, so what does any of this mean? But I think that the most important thing is be honest, be simple, and be clear cut. And whether people agree with you or not, they'll at least respect the fact that you weren't trying to... Uh, you know, feed them a line, And that's something that in my experience, I'm still honing and still getting better at.
0: So how did you end up back here in this role?
1: So I was working in Washington, D.C. at Catholic University, Columbus School of Law, you know, shout to everybody back there, really, really good people. Um, And uh, the dean of the admissions department, Amanda DePaul there, called me and told me that the job, there was an opening. Which I may or may not have known myself. You know what I mean. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna divulge that. Uh, I looked into it and I was like, well, you know what? I don't know. I don't know if it's right. I have a great job. I'm living in Washington D.C. I'm enjoying it. Talk to my mother. Talk to my father. Talk to people that I respect, and they were like, well, why don't you think about it a little bit more? Maybe there's something up there for you and in my mind i was i was about 70 30 i'm going to do it but sometimes as humans we need a, that extra kind of kick down the hill and i come up and i was like well you know what i'm at the very least you interview i interviewed and the interview went great everyone was very very down to earth every you know from from Dina Shofsky, who is uh, super accomplished very very just amazing she could be very very um uh, I guess holier than Mao due to her qualifications that she's earned. But everyone was very, very down to earth. Everyone was very, very welcoming, and more than anything, I saw an opportunity here, and it felt right. So now they're stuck with me for a little while, you know.
0: What's it like to be back at, at your age in this town?
1: It's interesting because I look at the freshmen going places in their in in the packs, you know, like 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 they often do. I'm like, man, it's interesting how when you are in that mode, that age, that class, you don't necessarily, you you look at it in isolation. You don't know that you're simply part of the fabric of the story of this university. And that fabric will be rewoven and rewoven and rewoven over and over and over again. So, you know, I'll drive past the spot where, you know, oh man, it's one night, you know, me and my buddies did X, Y, Z, you know, went to this place, had a great time. And that's, that, that's uh, I mean, that that's a prominent memory for me. That's something that I'm like, we call up and we still laugh about it. I'll send them a picture like, yo, I'm on B, you know, I'm on B, remember that time? And it's interesting that something that's so, that's a seminal event in my life. These kids now could care less about it, you know, and not in a callous way. It's just right now they're building their own memories and they're in their own experience. And although we're all related, they're not necessarily looking backwards. It's always moving forward and it's always creating new memories. And that that's the most interesting part because in four or five years, they're going to have those same stories. And I, you know, it's funny, I, I was, I was uh, with some of my uh, student mentees at the law school and I'm like, yeah, you know, Golden Walk used to be here. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, no, it's a, it used to be a Chinese place on the on the corner next to the, and I just stopped. You know what I mean? Because I told myself I'm like, man, I'm never gonna, you know, I'm ne- I'm never gonna be the guy who's telling you about how it used to be. That's that's not me. But it came full circle. I was driving, and here, sure enough, they're like, yes. Yeah, so what was it like? I was like, it's Chinese food. Don't worry about it. Of course, they they have a uh, a Japanese ramen place next to their Orange Theory now, and we had an Arby's so. It goes like that. But then again, some of my teammates who, you know, who graduated in, in two thousand seven, two thousand eight when I was first first getting here, some of the redshirt senior guys, they would tell me those same stories and I'm like, Yeah, doesn't resonate. You know? So it's very, very interesting how how things are the same, but they're wildly different now. Um, so I think that, that that's the classic debate about Penn State, keeping the tradition where it needs to be. But also adapting and also understanding that you have to modernize in these times to stay afloat and ultimately succeed, so I think that coming back now as a as someone who has went to law school worked and lived in washington d c uh, fortunate enough to travel to places and see different things, it's so interesting now the 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 community that's developing and the norms that have been established uh, but I can see for the next couple of years, I mean, it's just going to keep expanding. It's going to keep expanding. It's going to, the technology is going to get better. Um, the students are going to become more and more involved. Um, and, but that's one thing that doesn't change. People still love Penn State. And to to me, I would be a fool to think that it would always be the place that it is forever frozen, captured in my head. And I'm sure that there's some memories that are forever frozen, captured in your head as well. Um, but as time goes on and as it gets... Um, I guess more more modern. It's still good to see that the same collective spirit, uh, for the most part, is still there.
0: Were you always going to go to law school?
1: Eventually, uh, well, I was all I was I was supposed to. I'm still supposed to be playing in the NFL right now. So yeah, one, 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 once I got done with that, uh, you know, I had a a, a brief stint um, with, with with the Seattle Seahawks, and that that was awesome. But law school was always on the horizon for me. Um, you don't necessarily know when, but. I knew that after graduation, we'll see what happens. I knew I didn't necessarily want to go right to a job and work until I found something that I wanted to do. Um, but yeah, law, law school was definitely always in the plans.
0: What was the driving reason for that? Like, What was what was the passion or what were you going to be right. doing in law school? Because not to belittle what you're doing now, my, sure. my
1: sense was you probably
0: didn't say, hey, I'm going to go to law school and be the director of admissions in <laughs> <at> my alma <laughs> mom
1: Yeah, nobody does. Right. <laughs> no, nobody Nobody writes it down like that. I, so, the thing about the law is it's in everything there's not an element of our lives, rightly or wrongly, right that is not governed to a certain degree by some type of law you know we we were discussing the you know the new construction well, for a while, you know if the building restriction is what it is, which I'd have to look at the legislation which i I will not do. I will tell you that up front, I will not go and flip those pages over, but for example, a building restriction that affects the entire town. You might not even know it. Or, I mean, I, unfortunately, I saw someone who was clearly a freshman and clearly just maybe their second or third week here take that left on Beaver, right, right? And as you know, if you're right near that FedEx you know, the gas station, it's funny, right near Golden Walk, I don't know why. I'm really hurt about Golden Walk, as you can tell. It's it's a sore spot. But I'm watching this person take a left and it's almost like you can't, you cannot do that. and. Now that you've taken that left, it's going to be very difficult for you to get off this road. And immediately, I just hear a series of honks, like, but then again, like, that's that's the thing, you know? Like, you need to learn about anywhere you are. And a part of me was a bit jealous of the fact that that freshman's about to have the time of their lives this next four years, and they have no idea. You know what I mean? Like, if I could run back... Not saying I would be taking a left on a one way, but if I could run back the tape to kind of that state of, kind of like uh, I don't want to say ignorance, but just it's all new. You know, I I, I kind of envy them for for their for the experiences that I know that they're gonna have in the next couple of years. But um, you don't set out to come back to your alma mater and be director of admissions. The law itself was a way for me to affect change. I knew that regardless of what I did, I would having the law with me. Would be a way to get my foot in the door, whether I, I toyed with being an NFL agent at a certain time, I toyed with uh you know, working as an athletic director for some time, but I never wanted to be a traditional go-to-court everyday lawyer, due to the fact that I know a lot of them, and a lot of them do very well for themselves, but personally I was always more about the people that that the law affected, not the law itself. That's what I really cared about. And, you know, when I graduated from school, I clerked in Montgomery County Superior Court in Rockville, Maryland. Um, I worked there, worked for D.C. Superior Court. So I was in that environment for sure. And I just don't feel like that's the best use of my skill set. I don't feel like I would be the most effective as your standard, you know, deposition, go-to-court everyday lawyer. I don't think that I would be the most effective. And I also... And this is kind of something that's overlooked. I I don't think I'd be the most happy. You know, I think that that's something that, especially with uh with, with, with our generation, it's like, all right, well, get a good job, probably so you can start paying off your loans, but get a good job. But I didn't want to be doing something that other people deemed as the best, you know, the lawyerly path, in quotes, at the expense of my own well-being, at the expense of my own happiness. So that's, in a roundabout way, That's that's how I ended up back here.
0: From, from the, the freshmen taking the left turn to the folks you asked about when this job came up. As you look through turns in your career are options and changes, how do you make those decisions? Who do you, who do you rely on? And, and what kind of things do you consider when, when moving from place to place? I mean, the NFL, and we'll get to that in a couple minutes, right. was probably a decision that was made more for you than one you get do. Yeah, today. yeah, you don't, you, you don't really do <laughs> Yeah, The other yeah. ones you have
1: control over, <laughs> sure. how, do, how do you handle those? You do, and nowadays with the advent of information, you gotta, you gotta kick the tires yourself. You have to, the first level is, all right, research this new landing spot. Maybe go get some, some anonymous, there's, there's a lot of companies online that'll give you anonymous employee reviews of the place, which can be a bit of a poison chalice, if we're honest, but you can get a, you know, it's, you can get a general review of, of how people feel about it, because oftentimes they're quite good, and again, we don't know who's leaving them, but you're able to kind of get a snapshot of, all right, well, is this the type of culture that I want to put myself into? You also, as I said, you know, pray about it. You know, that, that personally, that's for me. Um, I'm, 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 a, I'm a man of faith. So I feel like my family praying about it. And I also believe a lot in intuition. And it's not a tangible thing that you can always put your put your finger on. But at the time when this job became available, i was uh I was getting a bit restless in my spirit i uh, like you know i I wanted a bit of a new challenge, and as I said, this job it came available right around that time, so i'm like okay that's that bodes well um and then you just look at uh the penn State law school itself i i I researched the law school and i've noticed that they're 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 climbing you know thing they're they're improving their standing they're they're improving their their metrics and their numbers you know unfortunately law school a lot of it is boiled down to numbers. A lot of it is score and then it's your median and then it's your 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 bottom quartile and your you know all of those numbers that allow schools to attract uh, new applicants. Um I noticed that they've been rising that that it's a dynamic program. I didn't want to go to somewhere that was already entrenched in their mindset. I didn't want to you know there's some law schools that are 175 years old literally. So you're you're very much coming to be a part of of your you're a your new cog in the machine as opposed to what do you think about this? How can we improve in what way can we change this to uh, maximize our efficiency? Those are questions that I was asked maybe the second week i I was there, and I like that. I might not always have a a, a groundbreaking response, but it's the fact that they're inquiring that I like because, as I said when you become stagnant and, oh, well, we've always done it like this and this is kind of the way we have always going to do it. You're never going to improve anything. And maybe you've gotten to a point where you can rest on your laurels, but I think that that's one of the most dangerous things you can do. Um, just due to the fact that no one knows tomorrow. And if you're not constantly making it your mission to get better, or at least listen and be willing to adapt, then you're going to eventually perish. That's how I looked at it. And, I looked at it as a dynamic opportunity, which it has proven to be.
0: When as a college football player, did you say, hey, i can go to the NFL? I mean, do you commit as a freshman, saying this is the the ultimate goal and this is what I'm gonna do? Or when did it become a realistic option and then how did it play out? How how did how did it get into a camp and get at least the experience right. and then having it end play out? Well,
1: I mean I'm from Virginia Beach, so it probably started at age 12, 13, really, honestly. I mean, you know, at at that point, um, Michael Vick has taken Virginia Tech to the national championship game, and he's from Newport News, which is, you know, maybe 30 minutes away. Um, but, you know, you grow up watching Vick. You grow up watching Allen Iverson. You grow up watching Alonzo Mourning. You know, you play you, you play with these, these type of athletes, and it's like, you know, um, this is a possibility for me, and in all actuality... The, The percentage is much more difficult the numbers are much smaller but as a child it's you can't help but have that affect you a a little bit because it's like these are people from the same area we're from and they made it and if you know a lot of their stories they're 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 fraught with adversity as well in alan iris's case you know he well a lot of people believe wrongfully incarcerated i personally believe wrongfully incarcerated off of a. basically a quote saying oh yeah Allen Iverson was there too you know and they I don't know if you're familiar with the story but anyways those things are instilled in you as as a young kid and I always knew that education was paramount for me however my dad who is a uh, senior academic degrees from universities in England and 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 Howard and in Nigeria I mean the guy loves to learn he was like you know if the NFL if you get a shot you should go I was I was shocked i was surprised but it's such an opportunity that you have to take it or you have to at least see where it can take you um so the seattle seahawks want to bring you a minicamp you know we we liked your tape so i'm like that's amazing fly me out to seattle um i stayed with uh dion butler you know what i mean so me and uh dion was there for a little while him and a couple of the other undrafted guys we went out and got pf changs which I'm pretty sure that Dion made us pay for, which is always cool, um, with our Seahawk per diem. After, afterwards, I, I took my uh, combination fried rice to his 73, uh, 73rd floor uh, apartment overlooking Seattle, which was quite ironic. I was like, he couldn't spring for these. But uh, shout to Dion. He's given me several rides back to Virginia, and I owe him a ton of gas money, so he's a great guy. Anyways, you get there, and you're just like, this is incredible you're in the meetings, there goes Pete Carroll, you know, he's literally, he's exactly who you think he is, Um, Russell Wilson, another good guy, he's really 5'10", so, if you're listening to this, you can make it, you know, you're there, oh, that's Marshawn Lynch's locker, and you're like, you don't want to be that guy, but inside, you know, you go to the bathroom, and I remember going to the bathroom, and you know, they give us, like, uh, jerseys, like, for media, in in the event that you may make it, but... And I'm just like, this is this is like nothing I've ever experienced. Like, here it is. You know, you're... you're oh, that's Golden Tate's locker. Awesome. You know, that's Russell Okung. You know, and you you feel as if it's the culmination of so many things that you've worked for. And we all know in life, everything that you, you know, work for and grind for, you don't always get. That's just how it goes. And obviously i'm I, I am not a member of the seattle seahawks today um but the experience in general it 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 put me close to something that i that i really wanted um i had i had tryouts at cowboy stadium and with the ravens um but none of those panned out as i would have liked and truth be told i probably could have continued um but it got to a point where i always knew that there's a lot more to me than football and as much as i i, I love the game it's, it's it's more your love of, of your teammates and your in your buddies that you struggle with and your you know um, I was able to go to Jordan Hill he does a, a golf out in Harrisburg uh, once a year for kidney cancer and type type 1 diabetes awesome you know um, Derek Moy came I was able to see Jared Odrick some some real throwback names you know that I'm not always able to to get up with and it was just awesome because there's such a level of understanding that only we have because we were the ones going through it particularly in 2012 right i think there there's a film that's called Iron Lions and it's about um the guys that stayed uh Marty and Zordich all those guys and it's awesome but that was the first class to kind of come out of it you know that that broke during my senior year so it was a, it was a uh, it was a, it was a very very it was a mix of uh frustration nobody really had the answers and the media also well besides the media of course they, they 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 had the answers but um it was just it was a horrible situation in a lot of ways but it showed me that i hey, mean this thing you know football at, at penn state which has been great been amazing been a life-changing experience in a matter of days it can be taken in another direction and 95% graduation rate, XYZ number of all Americans, academic all Big Tens, doing it the right way, which I believe we've done for a while, all of a sudden, none of that matters anymore. So it, it, the lesson that I gleaned from that was never put everything inside one basket as far as who you are. Um, just due to the fact that, as I said, no one's sure how that's going to go. Even the most certain things can be rattled. And uh, that was a very, very valuable lesson that, that, I, that I just took from football in general. But uh, one, of, one of the best decisions that I made, you know, was it always fun and amazing? No, it wasn't. It's a lot of hard work. And I think that oftentimes people forget that these are 19-year-old kids out there. You know what I mean? Like, try, basically with, you know, God forbid, you're playing your, your, your school, your most hated rival, and you, you drop the touchdown pass in the fourth quarter. That's gonna sit with you for the rest of your life, and you'd be hard pressed to find someone who would say, "Hey, that thing you did at nineteen, we're never gonna forget that." You know, for somebody who's a dentist or an engineer or an electrician, you know, so it it it, it matures you very quickly because you have that weight of expectation on you, no matter where you go and no matter what you're doing. Um, and and as for me, it, it really just it really showed me that you need to be. Based in something that is that no one can take away from you, that that no one can shake, that no one can question.
0: This will be my last sports question because this isn't a sports podcast. I,
1: listen, don't get me going, man. Don't I, uh, don't get me don't get me started.
0: When was your last day as a football
1: player? Oh wow, that's that is that is that. What an amazing question. My last day as a football player was. probably in the fall of my last day as a football player was in the uh, the fall of 2012 right before 2013 okay. um and that you know i actually had a meeting with my agent he was uh in fairfax right around uh, george mason at the time and you know talking about you know these cfl teams They you know they'd love to have you up there they've been talking about you um and a couple other options a couple other uh i believe jacksonville was also interested in that time but um it just got to it got to a point where the football's always a business. once it becomes a level where you know you can monetize it, which is surprisingly early with people betting on pop Warner games, but um once it became something that was strictly a transaction cuz when you get to, you know, when you get to the Seahawk locker room, nobody's your buddy. He went to Texas, he is from Florida. I remember one guy who, you know, from Miami, fellow offensive lineman, talking about how he could eat McDonald's every single day. Like, these people were not my buddies. You know what I mean? We were not in Shunk Hall together in Pollock, like me and Derek Moy. Or, you know, I, I went to Quinn Barnum's wedding in May. And the NFL's not like that. <laughs> you know, you, you might get a couple of guys. The SEC guys are usually cool. Big Ten guys are usually cool. Pac-10, you know West You know, generally... But even even then, it's not a it's not a forged relationship. It's like, your locker might be next to mine, you know, and both of us might like to enjoy the same type of food. But there's a lot of guys who come to the NFL locker room, once practices, and then he gets in his car and goes back to his family. You know, like, that's, we're not hanging out anymore. You know, it, the, the, and granted, there's a lot of teams that do have that communal and fraternal spirit, but you got to stick around for a little while to do that, you know? And the statistics will tell you the average person is not able to do that. Um, so, the, the the bond, the fraternal bond that you feel with with, with your teammates and, and your friends, that is not as present. So, that, it stripped away a little bit of what I loved about football, to be honest. And let me not be holier than thou. I mean, had I made it, I would have gladly accepted and cashed those checks and been ready to go. So, I don't want to make it seem like I'm some saint or, or someone holy, but I always tell people... You know, I've I've been blessed to play at every level, but some of my favorite memories come from high school football. Absolutely. You know, like, I I remember um, getting together. There was a team called uh, Oscar Smith, and they're in Chesapeake, Virginia, and they're known for being very, very good. So it was the regional. And I remember our final home game of the season, maybe like the third or fourth quarter, maybe like 20 of them show up in their jerseys to our stadium and kind of just sit with the fans, but not... Sip at the fans in the most conspicuous way, right? It's like, oh wow, is this not our stadium? We didn't know. You know, well, I guess we'll just watch the game. We were pretty livid, because that, that that, you know, you didn't do that. You know what I mean? That was um that was that was equivalent to uh that that was a declaration of war, honestly. So we had a bye week the next week just because we were done and it was a gap between the two schedules. And we get maybe it was about 15 or 20 of them, we get in about eight, nine cars, which in hindsight may not have been the most prudent decision we get about eight nine cars and drive the 40 minutes to chesapeake you know where oscar smith is and we do the same thing except we're not pretending like we're at the wrong stadium we know we know that you guys don't want us here and we got we got a couple booze it was kind of like the yankees at fenway i kind of enjoyed it honestly in in my warped sense of thinking back then but uh it was just special you know because if if I wanted to get all those guys in the same room again, it it's next to impossible, you know? So all the grandeur and in in the amazing things that, that football has brought me at every level, the most some of the most my most favorite memories are after the game, going back and watching highlights, eating pizza at a friend's house, that simple kind of just everyday type of thing, it was something that always sticks with me and always does. So I don't. I don't. I don't know. I, I told you not to get me started on sports. At this at this
0: time of year in this place, this town, right? And this will be your first time here the whole time, right? Yes. Do you get? Do you have a sense? I mean, we're well, we're a couple days away from practice starting officially. Oh, it's. Are you yeah. antsy? Are you? How do you feel? You're going to consume it. Mm-hmm. First question, and then that that feeling. You, I don't know that you're chasing it, but that feeling you just described. Have you experienced anything like that? professionally, or academically, as you as you change what you do?
1: Mm-hmm. That's, the, uh, yeah, that's a great question. I think that, I, I guess I'll first answer um, how, how I guess, with the current team. But, you know, my interaction with the team, I'm obviously n- not on staff, but occasionally um, some of the coaches will, 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 will ask me to come through, and, and I, I talked to the freshman class, it was a couple weeks ago, which I was really, really grateful to do. Another thing I told myself when they came and talked to me as a freshman, I'm like, Never gonna be never gonna be me, buddy. And God has a funny way of saying, yeah, that's that sounds good. I and then and again, I thought about it. I was like, you said you would never be the guy that would come back and talk to the freshman. I'm um, but now I of course I am that guy. But um as far as that feeling, I, I, I don't know if that feeling can necessarily be replicated or found again. But a feeling similar in twenty seventeen when I passed the DC bar, um, that was I was monumental because I actually passed uh, DC and New York at the same time. And that was just, it was, the way that that is, the way you find out is you log on to the DC Superior Court website and they just push, the, they published a list of names in alphabetical order of everyone who passed. Well, my last name starts with an O and I literally, they said the site will be ready by 11 a.m. Of course we crash it because we're checking it. The site's not ready until like 2.30 Brutal, brutal. So now you have to pretend to fill your day with things. I was like, maybe I'll go to Walmart and you know get some more avocados. Got it? You know what I mean? Because I was going nuts. I, because you want to know human nature. You want to know so you know how to compose yourself. So I'm looking and I'm. I find that we they finally get the server back up. Going through all the AAs, I see some of my my my, my colleagues. My God, like, oh, congratulations! I also see spaces where my colleagues should be. And some of them are not there, which is, you know, which which is bitter because law school, just like football. When I was a freshman, you're you're closest to the people you came in with because you guys were plebes together. You get what I'm saying? You, you guys started at the bottom together. And that shared experience that I was talking about, you have with other teammates, but it's really Joe used to put us in the, the freshman part of the locker room where you had to be around each other before you could get into the main part of the locker room, you got to learn these guys because eventually they're going to be gone. They're going to be with you. So any law school is just like that. Your first day, you don't know what's going on. Everyone's nervous. Everyone is, everyone's just trying to survive the first day. And a couple, a couple of my really, really good friends from law school weren't there. And a couple, a lot of them were though. So essentially I'm rolling all the way down to the O's. I get to the list of the O's and I'm I, the first column, nothing. And I'm like, okay, it's alphabetical. You know what I mean? There's more O's. I get to the second column, and it's still nothing. Midway down, I scroll some more. I, I remember doing this. I was I'm six five, so it's almost sitting Indian style in my room over my phone. Like, I, I wish anyone had a picture of that. that that's blackmail material, hundred percent. I keep scrolling. I see my my good friend. Her last name also begins to know She's there, so I'm happy again for her. My name is the very last name at the bottom of that particular page, and just that exhilaration—I mean, it was—it was, it was like—it was such a, a relief, and it was—it was just a moment. Uh, I was just so—I was just so grateful to God. I, I don't know if I had that energy to take that exam again. Plus, it's more of just hang. Listen, this thing you worked really hard for, this thing that you would be. And, I, you know, the, the the bar exam is very difficult. You know, I'm not saying that it's like a brain surgery, but it's really hard. Um, this thing that you devoted this much energy into, because if you remember, I said a lot of times it happens and you get nothing out of it. And that's how life goes. And you got to, you know, keep trucking because no one's going to feel bad for you. This thing that I was just working so hard for day in and day out. There was a time when we'd be up at the law school so late that, of course, we tripped the silent alarm. And i think i'm fairly sneaky you know and i think but at six five at six five i i you know i thought i was fairly stealthy so oh wow it's a bunch of cops in here i'm half delirious cause i'm not sleeping and i'm on a, a ton of coffee and it's literally they, they just look at me i'm like i don't have I, I ha, they looked at like the state i was in they're like all right well you guys just be more careful they think someone's robbing you know in a law school and i was like it's just us us sorry souls please you know don't arrest us obviously things were all good but you just did so many things like that and it was so many days and nights of frustration so for that to culminate in me being able to you know pass it was it was just fantastic it was really really something that i will never forget that moment and that feeling because it's it's such a it's such a culmination and it's such a a, a victory and and that you know that for me was similar to you know, winning the, the regional championship or, or, or the city championship or playing in the Rose Bowl or, or you know, playing against Patrick Peterson at LSU. You know, all of these amazing experiences that would, that's something similar in a completely different field. So that was also very, very special and something that stays with me now.
0: You mentioned well, they got me for a while when you took the job. What are your goals and what what, what will how will you know you're successful?
1: In this role so I think my number one goal is to I, w- the very first time I sat down and I met with them I'm like this is we have this amazing facility right across on Park Avenue right literally can throw a football and it'll land in Atlanta East but people don't know we're here there's so many of our undergraduate students that you know I, I'll speak to and they're like yeah you know I, I don't know where the law school is and I'm just like well it's literally right across the street but technically that's off-campus you know, and once you you know once it's off campus, it's 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 like oh I can't find it. Even even though if you probably jumped from here, you could look and see it. But anyways, my goal is to increase awareness about the good things that we have going there. You know, and and a big part of my goal is I think diversity is a buzzword that people like to discuss. Um, but making law school accessible for for Black people for for people from lower income areas for first generation students these are things that are important to me because at the end of the day you know I know what it's like to have parents who are immigrants who work unbelievably hard my dad had a phd he's still doing picking up extra jobs before and after his classes because that's what you have to do you know and and, and and I, I think now um, there's been a bit of a shift in the perception of people who do come to the country and why. Um, so I, I, th- I think that my, my, my secondary goal is to make law school a reality for people, regardless of socioeconomic background, right? Regardless of, because a lot of the students we see, oh, yeah, my uncle's a lawyer, my dad's a lawyer, but there's a lot of very, very good lawyers who don't even know it yet because unfortunately... They didn't have the uncle who was a the lawyer. They don't have people who can show them the path to this. And and and, and very often times, even when I'm talking to, you know, or, you know, I used to mentor eighth or ninth grade kids. They would always tell me, yeah, you know, I, oh, I want to go play at Penn State. You know, I want to go play. You know, and then they would be like, so what do you do when you're not playing? I was like, well, you, you go to class. And they were like, yeah, but I mean, like you you go to school. I was like, yeah, you go to school too. Couldn't believe it. they're like they make you go to school. And I'm like yeah you know they you do that too but that's the thing i think just shining more light making it a a more realistic option because it's not for everybody let's be frank here it's not for everyone um but i want people to at least kick the tires themselves and i also think representation is important them seeing someone who might look like them or come from the same background they come from or doesn't look like them at all but just can give them a good word and just can give them an honest assessment i think that that is how i know i'll be successful um the more thank you notes that I get, the more like, hey, man, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. People have told me that before. You know, in my, in my previous position, and that's always special because that doesn't, you know, you can't direct deposit that, you know, which maybe, you know, maybe, maybe in the future. You know, I'll, I'll just mm-hmm. give them my routing number like, you're grateful, there you go. I'm going to leave that with you Slide the envelope. But um, I think the more, making, making tangible impact, that's what I want to do. I want to make tangible impact and I want to make change that I can look at and say, you know what, I did I did this for this person. And because of my contribution, this person was able to make a more informed decision. There was a a woman who came in, two women who came in yesterday and they're both alums. They're doing they were doing the Spend a Summer Day program. And they didn't have appointments, you know, but they you know it's um the look that someone gives you when they'd like to talk to you, but they don't necessarily have an appointment and they also don't know if they need an appointment, but I was like, hey, how you guys doing? Are we come in, yeah, let's have a have a, have a chat. Her daughter's graduating from St. John's. It turns out she has a ton of law school questions. And it was good regardless of whether she comes or not. You know, I also be like, I don't like to, I don't like the, I'm not a headhunter. I don't get paid, you know, by, by, the, by, the, by the, the person. I, I, I think that's a bit, uh, again, that's really transactional and it would make me uncomfortable to be honest. But if I can give a clear insight onto how her daughter wants to be, could be successful, Maybe some more options that she didn't realize. Um, there's a lot of financial aid programs that uh, the law school has for Pennsylvania residents and Penn State alums, which her daughter might qualify for. You know, right up to the 20000 dollars on top of your scholarship. She didn't know that, um, and maybe she came just to, just to get that because at the end of the day, it does boil down to finances, right? Most of these things boil down to finances. So, if I can continue to improve the lot of people who do come to see me and applicants and students and really whoever else I come across, I think that's going to start showing returns. I think that basing your worth in the return on numbers can get, it can get, you can put yourself in a precarious position because if it's like, all right, well, the percentages will go up every, you know, for the next six months and you promise that, well, you might go to the grindstone and work as hard as you can every day. You may be... Giving you, I mean, you, you might be working your fingernails off. The numbers don't improve. So, does that, does that then negate your contribution? You know, and I don't believe it should, but I want to make, I, w- I want to continue just to make tangible impact across, you know, when people come across me. And I think that that's something that I've started to do and I long may continue.
0: In terms of impact in this community and being young and being a minority, do you have a responsibility at all? I mean, I don't know if it's a responsibility, but sure. do you? Do you f- feel that okay? Right. I got this job, but there's also this, right. or or is there anything that just comes with it that that maybe isn't a responsibility? But shit, I got to do this too. Right? Like I, I don't know which mm-hmm. one it is, but can you talk and, to me it? And, that? and that's
1: the thing. I would be. I think it would be naive just to, to, to deny the sense of responsibility there is. You know, as 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 someone. You know, our law school. We. We're working on our diversity. We need more people of color in the law school. We need more people of color in the law, period. Not to make numbers up, but to bring different voices, to bring different experiences, to bring different ideas. I think that oftentimes people are like, oh, well, you know, this program is only for these people. It's designed so that we can actually have a bit of a more representative sample in government and in our schools and in our police systems, and policing systems and with our educational system. So my responsibility is to myself and my family and my last name first and foremost. And from there, when when I see someone who is of a similar uh, background growing up, there's certain things that we discuss in a certain way you can discuss them. It's like me and someone from your hometown you can skip past about six or seven layers of the preliminary. We can cut to the chase much more easier and much more effective. And that I believe is the best way to kind of shoulder that responsibility. And as I said before, being frank, being as upfront as you can, um, that is how you represent yourself well. And that's how you represent your last name well. That's how you represent your community uh well. And and that's what I try to do really at every level, you know? Um when I first step foot on here, you know, like, a, you know, every, every, it's very, very territorial. Everyone will tell you exactly where they're from, what high school they went to, how many state championships they won. And they're very proud of that, you know? So I do my best to represent myself and my community at large everywhere I am, which it's not easy, right? It's not easy to shoulder that burden. It's not easy to, uh, Oftentimes, you know, you'll, 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 you'll be in a classroom here in upper Level classroom. You might be one of only two black students. That's just the reality of it. You know, you didn't sign up for the representative for everyone, but you're on the representative for everyone, you know, if you, if, if you want to be honest in certain regards. So it's a challenge, but it's, it's, it's one that I, that I believe I'm up for. And, and at the end of the day, all I can do is be the best version of myself, you know, and not my perfect self, because I don't, I don't know if we're ever going to achieve that. But if I'm the best version of myself, then I believe that that's going to carry on and that's going to represent all of the parties that comprise me in the best light. And, and that's what I'm going to continue to do.
0: This episode
1: of Penn State Conversations was presented by the Young Alumni Council
0: of the Donald P. Belisario College of Communications Alumni Society Board. The Alumni Society Board aims to help elevate the stature of the Belisario College through dialogue with faculty, students, the dean, and associate deans. The Young Alumni Council also aims to foster a strong connection between young alumni and the college to inspire lifelong support and involvement. For more information or to learn how you can get involved, please visit bellasoriopsuedu slash alumni.